It is my pleasure to have in the Restoring the Earth virtual studio today, Katriana Blanke. Katriana is joining me from Ravensburg, southern Germany. She is a gifted singer, songwriter, and storyteller with a passion for sharing Earth stories with joy and connectedness. Katriana trains people in theater and in storytelling for social transformation. I met Katriana through a project that we are both involved in, the Earth Stories Collection, which brings together traditional stories and the Earth Charter. As an educator, Katriana has been working with the Earth Charter for quite a long time, so I'm looking forward to talking to her. Welcome, Katriana. Hello, Alette. Thanks for having me. So can you tell me a bit about your background in theatre, storytelling and social transformation? Yes, well, um, I knew quite early on that I wanted to work in theatre somehow, um, but that I also wanted to use theatre for transformational purposes. And so it's kind of been like a, a bit of a zigzaggy path. Um, I studied acting and then I worked um, for an, a big animal welfare organisation for a while and then went back to teaching uh, kids uh, theatre and, and putting on productions. And then in 2012, I became an Earth Charter ambassador um, and, and knew that I wanted to integrate the two. And from that grew everything that I'm now doing from training people to working on stories to networking within the activism field. Can you explain to listeners who may not know what the Earth Charter is and how you work with it, what it means to be an Earth Charter ambassador in your field? Um, the Earth Charter, as I have gotten to know it, is a template for sustainable living on this planet. It's a bit like the Human Rights Charter, um, a document that consists of several principles. Um, and it's... It, it grew from a 10 year long process of grassroots um, initiators from associations to private persons to all kinds of different parties. Um, and they, they sat down together and, and thought about, okay, if we want to continue living on this planet as a humanity, what does it take? What kind of agreements do we have to find in order to be able to, to exist, to continue existing in a peaceful and harmonious way on this planet. And what I find especially inspiring about the Earth Charter is that it is holistic. It's not just about environmental issues. It's not solely about social justice. It's everything, like anything concerning a sustainable life on this planet can be found in this document. Um, and it's a worldwide organization as well. Like you have people in all kinds of different areas in, in almost every country, um, promoting it, working with it. It can be used, for example, to get institutions or governments to stick to stick to their word, um, so to speak. So if a city, for example, is to sign the Earth Charter, then citizens have have the means to point out to, to um, politicians, well, you signed this, so why are you acting uh, against the environment or why are you um, harming the environment? 
uh, yeah, and what I what I find inspiring as well is that no matter what is your personal, um, what no matter what is your particular field of interest in activism, you can find it it within the Earth Charter, and I think it's high time that that activists of all kinds of different fields start working together rather than opposing each other because they're all afraid there's not enough funding or or uh, interest or energy to go around for all of us. So how did you specifically get involved with the Earth Charter? How did you come across it and what was your process? Um, a friend of mine in the community that I used to live in, um, she was... Uh, part of the organization that is the Earth, the German Earth Charter Network, or that that head that is, um, how do you say, the the coordinator of the German Earth Charter Network, and she, when she mm, got got to know me, she said, "Well, this sounds just like your cup of tea," and I went along, and it did inspire me so much that I signed up immediately. I did the training, which then consisted of two weekends. Um, to get getting to know the Earth Charter, getting to know different methods of promoting it, and then um, I integrated it with my work, which back then was Dragon Dreaming, which is a project development technique that I'm also a trainer of. And then from there, a friend of mine and I we started developing a theatre method based on the Earth Charter. And from that grew a small association that I am now co-founder of called Tea Time Trainings. And we use the processes of theatre to dive into this different aspects and issues of holistic sustainability. Um, and we train people to actually use our methods to take with them into schools or into activism. And we base it on the Earth Charter. So... For example, we have a five-part training where each weekend is based on one of the principles of the Earth Charter, and then we combine that with one specific theatre method. So, for example, um, social uh, justice and equality we combined with shadow theatre. So you have a screen and you have a light behind the screen and we work with human shadows to tell stories. Um, and that, well, obviously pre-corona we did that um, and it really people were quite happy about this because in Germany, I don't know about worldwide, but in Germany there's not yet so much art combined with um, sustainability. It's, it's either one or the other. And so we seemed to have found, uh, you know, uh, a niche. <laughs> Great, thank you. Um, so you, you've explained how you work with the Earth Charter and theater. Um, I want to ask you now, because we're very interested in stories on this podcast, why do stories matter to all of this? Mm, first thing that comes to mind as answer to that is a quote by Charles Eisenstein, who says that if we want to change history, We've got to change the story. Um, and that to me is, it, it's, the story is present everywhere. 
Like, we all tell stories all day long, whether we are aware of it or not. And Charles also says that in this, this point in time, we are between stories. There's an old story of, of patriarchy and capitalism and separation and power over that has that is coming to an end we are we are coming closer to some kind of an end <laughs> um but the new story of cooperation of love of sustainable living on this planet of peace that new story hasn't been fully born yet and that space between stories is something that is very close to my heart i've written a song about it it keeps popping up and i think this time in human history is very special because we get to tell a new story um and stories what we all carry around our our brains work with images it's in our genes humans have always gathered around you know fireplaces um today they are maybe virtual fireplaces but it doesn't really matter and we have told stories in order to understand and to connect and also to pass on to new generations what truly matters. And I think it's time that, um, that we dare telling new stories and also remembering those kinds of stories that are sustainable and that talk of the fact that we are all connected because those stories exist, as we both know. <laughs> I know you've been doing some trainings recently around storytelling and the and the Earth Charter specifically, um, and that you might have offerings coming up for English language speakers around this sometime in the near future. Can you tell me a bit about those those trainings that you've been doing? Yes, sure. Um, so the. Earth Stories Collection is the basis of what I do there. And um, I don't know, have you, do your listeners know about that or should I? Okay. Yeah, and please, the, please yeah. tell us a bit about that. The Earth Stories Collection, I stumbled across almost three years ago now. Um, and it's an amazing collection of stories from all over the world based on the Earth Charter. And what those stories all have in common is what I just said is is the is a holistic worldview is the view that everything hangs together that we are all connected, and um, it's a it's a it's an inspirational resource, and I got to know the instigator of it, Krian Kutanda, um, who I hold in very high regard, and. When I met him and heard about the collection, I thought, wow, this is, people need to know about this. And what I also found immediately was it's not enough to collect these stories and have them written somewhere. We need people who are able to tell them and tell them well, uh, live in front of an audience, orally, without, you know, without the big tam-tam of media or whatever, just plain storytelling. And from that grew the idea um, to, to run storytelling courses that have as material the Earth Stories collection. And I started in November last year with um, two courses. 
And what we do is like it's it's broken up into modules, and each module has two or three stories from the collection that people can choose from. And each module is also put under a theme. So for example, the theme of enough, the question of what is enough? Um, and why do we always think it's not enough? Why do we always need more? Why do we feel we are not enough? All these kinds of questions. So again, what I do is combine, combine the art with diving deeper into questions that we need to look at in order to live sustainably. And with that, I, um, I taught, or with that, I encouraged people to experiment and I gave them tools and we worked on their storytelling techniques. And the whole thing was called the Tea Time Tellers. And I'm hoping to repeat the process in October and offer it, if I can, also offer it uh, in English, because so far it was only in German. So I'm just curious, people joining onto this course, were they, what were their backgrounds? What, were, what, what sort of people were coming to you to learn these things? Varied, um, I'm happy to say. It's, it's interesting that Tea Time, we have a, quite a wide a wide range of people participating in our programs. Um, and it was from young students. I think they were doing theater. Ped I never can pronounce this name, this word in English, theater pedagogy. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me say that again from young, young students, um, uh, training in theater pedagogy to an accountant, to an elderly lady working as a, a landscape architect, activists, uh, teachers. Mm, what else can I think of? Who else was there? One person actually was without employment at the moment, trying trying to see whether storytelling is something he wants to take up permanently. And that made for a very interesting group and, and connection. Which is, which is part of what I what Tea Time does is we always strive for a culture of connection and to establish that is very important to us. And so now it's almost like, ooh, there's a, there's a small network of earth storytellers in Germany, uh, very keen to continue storytelling. And that makes me very, very happy because it's, yeah, it's, a, it's an art form that has almost been lost over here. So if there's anything I can do to contribute to that. Um, I'm more than happy to do it. I love it. That sounds fabulous. Um, I just, I'm just very curious about this. So I'm going to ask a few more questions. <laughs> what, what do you think the participants got out of it personally? From the feedback I received, um, what I think was most important was the experience that they can tell. <laughs> um, an encouraging environment where you can't, it's nothing is wrong or you don't, it's not about making mistakes or being at fault, but just, just friendly encouragement. And the process that we use is um, that each one of them gets to tell in every, in every session uh, fortnightly. And then they've, they receive feedback from the group and then from myself, a few tips or hints or things I can see that they could improve. And that process, which I've um, modeled from Daniel Allison, my own dear teacher, um, 
it 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 makes for um it makes for equality and it makes for the experience of wow i can actually do this and people will appreciate it and tell me if they if they can think of something i can do better um and also yeah there's just something about story that makes people come alive and that's what i love about this work it's just just creating this environment and allowing people to, to, to jump into working with story is such a lively thing. And I, 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 it makes me think of restoring the earth. I think there's, that's part of what I perceive in that title is it's so alive and we need people who are alive more than ever. <laughs> so what tips do you have for people who are wanting to work with stories around these issues that are in the Earth Charter, the the um, caring for the Earth, caring for each other. Um, what are tips that you would share? Mm. Be brave, <laughs> be courageous, and ask people whether you could maybe tell them a story, because that's what I found is the is one of the biggest obstacles at the moment because people aren't aren't used to listening to stories anymore, it, at least not in Germany. I, it's a bit different, I found, in the UK because uh, the scene has come back to life a few years back. Um, but here, it's it's so unusual. So my students, they had to always find the courage to ask people, could I please tell you a story? Because I'm practicing this and I'd like to learn. And, yeah. and then when they do that, they almost always found that people were amazed and happy and entertained and and touched um so yeah i think the the biggest thing is be bold be brave do it because you can practice as much as you like but the actual actual magic happens only in the telling and there's no two tellings that are the same so go out there and do it try and 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 trust yourself because if you've been called to tell stories then the stories will take you by the hand and lead you to places that you could never have thought of yourself <laughs> so i bet you know what's coming next catriona will you tell us a story <laughs> it will be my privilege and uh, I thought about this beforehand, and I'd like to tell you a story from the Earth Stories collection that I love very much. Um, yeah. He was old. Not only was he old, but he was ancient. His hair was long and gray. His back was a bit bent, his knees were knobbly, and his face was so lined and wrinkled that it looked like a bit of old parchment. And he was a storyteller. He lived in those times in ancient Japan when the great wars were raging. And he also, in his old days, saw the end of those wars. And when 
it became once more possible to travel throughout the land without encountering too much danger, he felt that he had to set out one last time. He wanted to go and see those tiny villages in the mountains and take his stories to the villagers one last time. So he put on his sandals and he shouldered a small bag and he set off. And he had the time of his life. Because wherever he arrived, people were more than happy to see him. Finally, someone telling us stories again. And they would gather, and the children especially, would gather round him like a crowd, and he would tell. He would also be asked to carry messages. Because so lot, such, such a long time had passed without people having knowledge of what was going on in the next village even. So he became the carrier of news. And he might tell someone of a newborn babe or of a marriage. Or sometimes he would also pass on the news that somebody had left this world. One day, he was high up in the mountains and it was getting late and he was finding himself in an area where there was nothing no village no human contact nothing and he was beginning to be a bit worried because evening was falling and he knew that he was so high up in the mountains that the cold night air would be quite a challenge if he were to spend the night outside Oh, and how he longed for a roadside tavern, a hot bowl of soup, and a place to rest his weary bones. But there was nothing. And his steps became smaller and smaller, and he was contemplating whether to just lie down by the side of the road and try and find some sleep. When he saw just around the bend a dojo. It was the school of a famous samurai. And as he saw that, he stood and looked at it. He knew that it was the custom for anyone approaching a dojo, that if they were prepared to fight one of the students with wooden staffs, they would get a bed for the night and something to eat. But he was weary and he was old he felt the aching in his bones and he thought i can't even take on the youngest student he will finish me off ah it's no option i can't do it and as the sun was setting and then the air was already turning cooler there was a glint in his eye and he had an idea and he set off towards the dojo, his energy quite renewed. And with his staff in hand, she st he stood before the dojo and knocked on the door. And he stood admiring the carvings all around the door, dragons' heads and secret symbols. And the door opened and there stood a young student. Politely bowing, he asked the old man, 
What can I do for you, sir? I have come to challenge your master. Now, the young student saw before him the long grey hair and the bent back and the knobbly knees and the dusty sandals and that face wrinkled and creased like a piece of old parchment and he had a hard time not to laugh. But he was polite, so he said, well, sir, please excuse my asking, but would it not be more prudent if you were to take on someone of the first year, let's say? The storyteller shook his head and said, I have come to challenge your master. Now the student grew a bit restless because he knew that whoever challenged the master would have to fight not with wooden staffs, but with steel, with swords, and it was a fight to the death. And he did not wish that upon the old man. So he tried once again and he said, sir, please forgive my asking again, but would it not be more prudent if you took on maybe a student of the second year? No, said the storyteller. I have come to challenge your master. Well, with that, the student gave up and he led the old man into the hall. And there the frail figure stood and waited. And of course, immediately it filled with students because everybody was wondering, who has come by? Wow, who's, who's this old man? Do you know what he wants? I've, I've heard he wants to challenge the master. What? The master was called and he entered the hall, proud, massive, and famous throughout Japan for his swordsmanship. He came in, his katana, his long sword by his side, and he stood before the storyteller and he said, greetings, I have heard of your challenge. I accept it, let's begin. And he waved to a student to bring a sword for the old man. And the sword was brought and the old man exchanged it for his staff, which was taken away. And then the old man took the sword and laid it in front of his own feet and didn't look at it again after that. If the master was perplexed by this, he didn't show it. He just repeated his greeting Let's begin. Pick up your sword. Silence in the hall. You could have heard a pin drop. And then the storyteller started to speak. There once was a young man, a young farmer in a mountain village. It was this young man's dream to become a samurai. But unlike the other young men of his age, he didn't want to become a samurai for the fame or the glory. He didn't want to serve under the shogun to make himself a name. No, 
what this young man wanted was to learn the art of the warrior's dance with their sword. The cuts and twists and turns and the precision and the graceful movements. That was his dream. Now, when this young man stopped, said the samurai master and to the astonishment of all the students he took his hand away from his longsword and he bowed before the old man you have defeated me he said whoa the hall erupted in whispers and shouts and what did he say can you believe it what happened do you see what the master looked at his students and he said, I have told you time and time again that you need to be present in order to survive on the battlefield. This old man has taken me far, far away to a distant place. He could have killed me had he but wished to. And with that, the samurai master invited the old storyteller to join him for dinner. And they ate and they drank and the storyteller told stories, of course. And later that night, it was the master himself who escorted the old man to the best guest bedroom of the house that was usually reserved only for the most highly esteemed of guests. Thank you, Kachiona. Beautiful story, beautifully told. <laughs> so we're, we're coming, unfortunately, to the end of our time together this morning. And I always like to finish with this question. What gives you hope today? Two things. Um, one is the experience of story coming back. Um, as I'm diving more deeply into storytelling and meeting more storytellers and, and, um, yeah, coming up with projects, I find that there's a great thirst for story, for storytelling and for, for those new stories that we spoke about. And that gives me hope because it tells me that people are, are longing for change. People, people are wanting to contribute to, to a sustainable world, to, to, a, to, to a world that we can pass on to the generations after us. And that, that makes me very happy and very um, grateful to be part of this movement. And the second is um, some of the children that I'm, privileged to meet especially the really young ones um because there seems to me to be a clarity about them and a power and a um a strength that is inspiring and that i hope um yeah will also contribute and and teach us adults <laughs> about how to be in this world <laughs> Thank you, Kachiona, for joining me this morning and sharing your experiences and your passion 
for storytelling and for the earth and for the earth community. <laughs> thank you so much, Alette, for having me. And also thank you for doing this wonderful work that you're doing. It's so important. Thank you to all our listeners. I hope you tune in again in two weeks time for the next episode of the Restoring the Earth podcast.